0: Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, August 26th, the Attention Seeking Toddler Edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch, Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
3: I'm Amy Ismail. I'm filling in for Dan Coyce. I've got a special guest with me, an attention-seeking toddler. Is he a toddler? I don't know. He's three months old. His name is Musa. I,
0: no, infant. I think infant? we're still infant here. Uh, he's, a, yeah. he's an
3: attention-seeking infant because he knows he's a star. He
0: is, he's the cutest. We're getting to watch him have a bottle of milk and come to
3: work with dad. I love it. Yeah, If this ends up being ASMR, I'm sorry.
0: I'm Jamila
2: Lemieux, writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's an old baby, and we live in Los Angeles, California.
0: On today's show, we're answering a listener question from a parent whose toddler is having a hard time adjusting to their new sibling. How do you balance giving your child the attention that they need along with taking care of the newest addition in your family? Then we give some advice to a listener who's having a hard time getting their kid to practice their table manners. What should you do when your child decides to do things their way and not follow the rules when eating dinner? And on Slate Plus, we're talking about what to do with your kid's memorabilia drawings, trophies, birthday cards, school awards, etc. As your kids get older and the stuff amasses, what do you do? Throw it away? Keep it forever in boxes because they have sentimental value? Join us and you'll
3: find out what we
0: do. But first, as usual, we're going to kick off the show with some triumphs and fails. Amen. Do you have a triumph or fail this week for us?
3: Yeah, I got I got one that's mostly a triumph but also a little bit of a fail. I um mm, So my one of my closest friends is getting married real soon. And this has been a source of anxiety because I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And with the Delta variant coming up, we were just so afraid of committing to anything like that. And, you know, potentially putting our our, our baby Musa in harm's way. So, uh, So she called yesterday to get like a final answer. And I had to just toughen up and just be like, look, you know, there's going to be people there we don't know. People coming from a different country. We're just not feeling... So safe. We're, we're we're not willing to take to take that risk. And it was a hard conversation. So I, I stuck to my guns. I told her what we decided on, and I, I think that's a triumph. But it's really sad because she really is like a close friend of mine, and we've known each other forever. So it's a little sad, but I'm calling that a triumph.
0: Did she take it pretty well, or like she's also sad that you can't be there?
3: Yeah, she was totally understanding. She's a she's a really really awesome friend. Uh, we've known each other since we were kids. Right, and we even look the same, so people have been calling us brother and sister. And this is her wedding. This is like a big deal, and they've already delayed it a year. So I think right now they're they're feeling the pressure from their family to get it over with. Yeah, they already live together, in like in the Muslim community, that's weird if you're not like you didn't have the big party. So they they just want to get it done. And I don't know. This is she hasn't even met him yet. I think she has once, but like in passing. Like it's not it's not enough. So it's just been tough trying to balance. You know uh, the the rights that she has as her his aunt. You know, not blood related, but she's his aunt. So the rights that she has to to see him and to have him over at her wedding, with at the same time uh, not really being sure whether or not we could get COVID. We're all vaccinated. He might be because he has the antibodies. My wife got the vaccine when she was still pregnant with him, but still we don't know, and we're not really crazy about taking a risk for. For any reason, honestly, so we we stuck to our guns. It was sad, but I feel much better now. I feel like the weight's been lifted, so I'm happy.
0: It's definitely a triumph. I think it's definitely a triumph. Like making those hard choices for the sake of your kids, right? Like it's hard, and I don't know. I I definitely think it's a triumph. But you're right. It's like a sad, a sad. It's it's a sad moment of our times. I think it is. Yeah. And it's also
2: you know even though it's unlikely you would have had to miss the you know this particular wedding were it not for COVID. There are things that you miss when you have a child, particularly a new child, and that can be painful. You know, it, it it's, and there's a sense of guilt about feeling bad about it because, Hey, I, I chose this baby. I'm happy to have a baby. This is great. You know, but your old life. It, it, it's not. I don't think it has to be or necessarily is the sort of death that people describe parenthood as, you know, that just everything is different and nothing is the same. You can never return to anything that you loved, but um it, it's changed shape. And right now it, it's shaped around that little baby. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely a triumph for making the right call because a lot of parents would have tried to figure out how to just be at the wedding without the baby. And uh, from what the papers are saying, that's probably not the wisest thing to do for our kids right now.
3: Yeah. And we got him a little tuxedo and everything, you know? Like it it would have been so cute. It would have been so cute. But you
0: can still like are you going to take a picture still and send a note or like FaceTime? You know, I think doing something like that to include yourself in that memory and that like show of support can mean so much too. So definitely still put him in the tux.
3: That's such a good idea. I didn't even think of that. I was already thinking that 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 has already blown past us, but that's a good idea.
0: No, never too late. <laughs> You put the text on once a week until he outgrows it
2: and yeah, take pictures. Yeah, we should.
3: We should. What do you think, Musa?
0: Jamila and I want to see the picture, too. No. <laughs>
3: <Okay>. <laughs> Subscribe to Slate Plus. We're- you get to see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, we're the Musa fan club already. Um, Jamila, do you have a triumph or fail for us this week?
2: Uh, I have a triumph. It was a hard one. triumph. Last night, um, Naima had a homework assignment. She had to write a letter to her future self that is going to be sealed and opened on the last day of school. So it's supposed to be about her, you know, what she's looking forward to at the new school year and what her favorite, you know, what are the things you like the most, what are things you like the least. Kind of a silly, very standard issue, third grade, you know, top of the year assignment. And she just insists that she can't figure out how to do it. And I explained to her, you know, to the best of my ability, is incredibly sophisticated, you know, so like... I don't entirely buy the I don't know how to do this, you know, concept. I think this was really a, I don't want to do it. Um, but after only about two hours of begging and threatening, Naima wrote a very lovely letter to herself. <laughs> Uh, I guess the triumph is that one, it got done, and two, I didn't relent. I mean, I offered some guidance, and I definitely know like, I made it pretty easy for her, you know? I was like, well, I'd say, but I didn't do it for her. I didn't, you know, I I think she wanted me to sit down and kind of hold her hand through it. And I was nearby. I was cooking dinner. So it's not like she was in the house by herself or anything. But I was like, look, you have to be able to work independently. You know, like this is is an age appropriate assignment. You're capable of this. I'm not gonna, you know, we're not baby stepsing this. You got it. And she got it. And she wrote a nice little letter to herself. And she felt very good about herself when she did it.
3: That's amazing. I'm so proud of her.
0: I know, that's great. I'm proud of you too, Mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so hard to not get involved, to like know where that line is in getting involved and not getting involved. Mm -hmm.
2: Sometimes I'm like, homework is oppressive. Let me just do it so we can get it out the way. That's where my (laughs) mind goes, you know? (laughs) But I'm like, no, that doesn't work.
3: She's going to feel so great when she opens it at the end of the semester too.
0: She will.
2: She'll be very proud of herself.
0: I have a fail from the starting back to school of me (laughs) just like being I don't I like don't want to um, blame this on my hair color, but it this chalks up to like a stereotypical blonde moment. Um, Henry got into the car. I've been picking him up and doing car line and he gets into the car and I'm like, how's your day? And he's like, oh, we had map testing today, maps testing. And I was like, Oh, I was like, well, you should have done great. Like, we study maps all the time. Like, are they, were they world maps? Were they US maps? And he is like in the back and he's like, Ugh. he's like, you just don't get it. And I was like, did you, did you like have to want you know, like latitude and longitude? Was it like, g- you know, grid stuff? And he's like rolling his eyes at me. He won't even talk to me about it. And so I was like, maybe it was really hard. So we, we get home, like survive the 13 minute drive home, get home and I'm on the phone with my friend who I homeschool with, my, like, best friend here, and I say to her, like, gosh, he doesn't usually have an attitude, but I asked him, he said he did this testing about maps today, and I asked him about that, and she's like, Elizabeth, uh, maps is the measure of academic progress. (laughs) So he had, like, a standardized test test. on math and reading, and so he went to school, did this, you know, all day, and then he gets into the car with me, and I have a million questions about maps. (laughs) And I think he just was like, you idiot. I can't even deal with you. It never occurred to me when he said I did MAPS testing today that MAPS was an acronym. Uh, So I just feel like I'm so glad I didn't like text another parent or do something completely ridiculous. I'm just chalking it up to like "Ah, homeschool mom. What does she know? You know, but uh, yes, no wonder he's annoyed at me. (laughs) I
2: started wondering when you said you asked again, he just wouldn't dignify you with an answer. I was like, maps, what it could have been. I was like, well, they don't live in Minneapolis. Yeah, so.
0: Minneapolis, exactly. It just, it never occurred to me either that they would like be tested without me having some knowledge of that. I mean, this shows how little I know about the U.S. school system. Like, I just assumed that I would get some kind of notification and they, they apparently do this and then they give it midway through the year and at the end of the year and it's supposed to help show the progress the school is making so it's not really used for much i think it's used for like tracking his math and like w- what class he should be in um and we're not really worried about a lot of that <laughs> but i i just feel so bad and now every time i think about it i think what an idiot <laughs> I'm like they gave a whole day of geography testing like you know i thought it's an outdoor school <laughs> maybe maybe it's really important it makes sense maps uh, oh well <laughs>
2: If I'm not mistaken, when we were kids, I think there was not only something that went home, but a lot of fanfare around standardized testing, you know, like mm-hmm. that you couldn't not know that it was coming. It was, you know, I just remember there being an emphasis on make sure you eat breakfast tomorrow and make sure you're on yeah. time. The
0: future of the school
2: is in your head.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, they have they have two days, too at the end of this week. That's like set aside for assessments. So I assumed that those were the days we'd be doing the assessments, not like... I mean, I just... You know, I'm sure there'll be many more moments like this because I really, we dove in kind of headfirst to this school in the woods. Now, I won't say without any, pre- like, I felt like I was prepared and we made a good choice for him, but I don't think I really thought about a lot of the public school aspects <laughs> like preparing him for that. I guess I could say his triumph is like he didn't freak out at the test. He just took the test and he was like, I'm not worried about it. Uh, clearly, there was some stress because I think that's in the car. You know, he was like, look, I've been taking this test all day and now you're asking me questions that don't make any sense. You know, like, I can't be bothered with you. All right. Well, with that, let's take care of some business. First, please subscribe to the show. It helps us out. The show will automatically show up in your feed. So it's good for you and for us. If you want even more of our show, you should become a Slate Plus member. You'll get a whole bunch of segments every single week. Here's a sneak peek of what you could hear today.
3: You know, there's, there's going to be sentimental things that like the idea of what's sentimental now is going to change. So part of me just wants to hold on to everything and let Musa pick what he wants to keep and what he wants to trash. Because maybe down the line, he's going to be like, oh, wow, uh, mom, where's my umbilical cord? Everybody <laughs> in my class has it. I'll be like, no, we didn't keep that. <laughs>
0: Not only will you get fun extra segments like that, but you'll even get bonus episodes for shows like Culture Gap Fest and Big Mood Little Mood, and you get unlimited reading on the Slate website without ever hitting a paywall again. So if you want to support us and support Slate, sign up for Slate Plus. It's only $1 for the first month. Just go to slate.com slash plus. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all our parenting content, including Mom and Dad are Fighting, Karen Feeding, and much more. You can get all of Slate's parenting content right in your inbox every week. Sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. But first, let's take a quick break. And we're back. All right, on to our first listener question. It's being read, as always, by the fantastic Shasha Leonard.
1: Dear Mom and Dad, we had a new baby nine months ago. It didn't occur to me that my four-year-old's behavior in the last half of the year may have had something to do with attention-seeking while I am unavoidably busy with the new baby. She's also very loud and extra happy when she tries to play with the baby. My husband tried to put more attention on her, but I think my absence still has an impact. Does this phase go away? The new baby is a little sticky to me, breastfeeding and bed sharing and all that. I'm having a hard time sleep training him, making it even more impossible for me to pay attention and play with my daughter after school. I'm both feeling guilty and tired and sometimes her loudness and not listening just become a tad too much. How can I mitigate this attention seeking behavior from my four year old?
2: Well, I think you just, you can't avoid this. This is inevitable. There was one baby and now there are two. When somebody is recast from being the youngest to the oldest, there's a bit of drama uh, and, and change and upheaval in their little lives. You know, prior to your pregnancy, your little one was still really little, you know. And so it went from I can crawl all over you in theory and I can, you know. Uh, dominate your time to later in the pregnancy, there may be being some rules around how you could climb all over mommy and, you know, you being tired to now this person is here and you're breastfeeding and I can't participate in that. Um, it, it This is all to be expected. It's quite normal. Um, I think that you should figure out a way to have daily one-on-one time with your four-year-old. It doesn't have to be an extended period. It could be that you're doing the bath and, you know, while your husband is occupied with the baby, um, that you have snack time one-on-one with her, but there needs to be a moment of bonding between the two of you, not the four of you, not three of you, but just the two of you. Um, so that she understands that the connection that she had to you is just as strong as the one, uh, the one that she had to you before she had a sibling is just as strong now, As ever, Um, you haven't forgotten her. And also let her know that, you know, there's a sensitivity to volume that both babies and new mommies have, right? So that making noise which can be fun and okay if we're outside at the park or if we're at a birthday party, you know, when you have a a new baby and you have a tired mommy, that can be really bothersome. So what are some of the other ways that we can express excitement? Can we do it with our hands? Can we do it with our face? Can we color something to show that we're really over the moon about something or enthusiastic? Work with her on adapting, but just understand that this is very much part of the process.
3: That's really sweet. That really makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, Musa was just born, but we had a a whole bunch of nephews in the family uh, right before he was born. So he has four cousins right now. Uh, One is two, there's twins that are three years old, and there's another one that's four. And my wife and I were really nervous about you know, uh, the fact that we, our relationship to our nephews were gonna, was going to change because we're usually the ones who come in and have all the fun, you know. Uh, we, we take them as soon as we walk in the door. We throw them in the air. We, have all, we get, let them chase us, and we chase them around the house. And obviously, that was going to change. We weren't going to be doing that as much. Now we're going to have to share responsibility with the baby. And so uh, I talked to my, my brothers about this, and they were like, well, what worked for them uh, when they had a new baby was that they gave the older one responsibility, and so it wasn't that they were just going to have to have fun at a separate time or right? that, like that's going to change, too. But also they're going to need some help and they're going to need to to grow up a little faster and, and be a part of the child care team in a way. And so uh, when they came over, we were really worried about them wanting to, like, touch the baby and grab baby, get all excited about this new toy that they have. But they were very mature about it. You know, this three-year-old girl walked over with with a teddy bear and was like, I've been practicing with this so I I can be ready to hold Musa. And she was really, really great. You know, we were like, OK, well, we're going to have a snack now. So can can you help us? Can you hold the baby for a second? And she was like, OK. And she held him and didn't move a muscle. She was like stone, you know, holding him because she knows that she can't be rough with him. And it was the cutest thing. And, and we were just lying. You know, we didn't really need a snack. We were just wanted to, to get her involved, you know, so that she can join us in the excitement too. I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know if that's going to work, but uh, it, it worked for us really nicely.
0: I think that is amazing advice. Like that is one of the things I did with, my kids when we brought home the other one is even just like moving baby stuff to a place where they can get it so like they can go run and get your diapers they can run and go get your um wipes like all of that kind of stuff and then just like lathering them with praise when they bring it. Like, how could I have ever done this without you? Like, your your baby brother, baby sister, whatever, is so excited, you know. Like, baby is so glad that you brought this for them. Or like, do you know where their favorite toy is? Like, things like that that only them as the the sibling will know. I think that um, just makes them feel so special. One of the things we did was kind of teach Henry. He was too... Um, When I had Oliver teach him to like help make my iced coffee that I like and like exactly how I like it. And so even though like another adult had to help him, it was like, you know, an adult would say, well, how can I help you? It was like, oh, I'd love this iced coffee, but Henry knows how to make it. And so then he would go and make it. And when he brought it to me, it was like, well, this is something that he is doing for me. That's special. I also think, though, like, Jamila, your advice is absolutely right. This toddler is attention-seeking because they need attention. Like, four-year-olds need a lot of attention. And so you need to find time where you are doing something with her predictably every day or on a predictable schedule. I know you're tired, but have dad, have a friend, have whoever's there helping with the baby, hold the baby, even if the baby cries. Like, even if the baby's crying so that you can get 10 minutes of, like attention just like attention only on you to the point where like she'll she'll probably say like oh the baby's crying and you can say well dad can handle it to say like I uh, you are still important to me Um, and I just think like if if you had a friend and a new friend comes into the group right like that's what you need from your friend is someone saying you're still important to me. Um, the other thing that really worked for me is making what I called a breastfeeding basket. And it had like special things in it that either I could do with um, the little kids that didn't take a lot of my attention. So like um, I put a little thing in there for like cards for different things we could have Alexa play, like a story we could listen to together or like a little game that they could play sitting right next to me. So that that breastfeeding time didn't feel like, especially in the, you know, when it, it At some point, it feels so frequent, like you're always breastfeeding. Um, So if you can make that also some sibling time, it's not great when you're feeling like everyone's crawling on you because now you're going to add another kid crawling on you. But it will fix that. It will feel like, oh, it's breastfeeding time. Get the basket. And you can put little new things in the basket that they can play with. Or uh, we put some like quiet building toys and they would play with them like at my feet. And I could give a lot of praise about those or a little short board book that you and your child can kind of read or tell the story to the baby like anything like that to make these times feel less like it's mom and baby and you're not included so i think the more you can start having this family dynamic of being included i also think look you know i all feel that four-year-olds are the worst my four-year-old right now is the worst i can't even imagine (laughs) if i brought another baby home right now what he would do um they do start to see their their siblings like less as as like they want to play with them more, and the baby will be able to do more. And that takes less pressure off of, like, well, I always need to be there. And this is about mom's attention. but i I think even even as you get older, like between siblings, sometimes it's all about who's getting the attention and how do you make each person, feel loved. So if you can find something that your four year old just like really feels fills her bucket. And that could be a walk. It could be playing. It could be book reading at night. It could be you doing bath or you doing this and make sure that that is a priority for you. I I think that will help.
2: I also just want to add that like and I know, you know, a lot of us are intentional about like not over relying on adorable or pretty as opposed to smart and kind when we're complimenting our little girls but like the baby naturally gets a lot of the cute attention you know the youngest make sure that you are also letting your four-year-old know that she is cute that she is adorable that those you know qualities that are oftentimes associated with the littlest one are still associated with her because she is very much still at the cute whittle she's whittle. she is whittle
0: the baby that's such good i didn't even think about that that's such good advice Mm -hmm. like how many times how many things you say about how cute baby is and how that could just be like going to her head and feeling like well i'm not cute i used to be the cute one now i'm not cute anymore i think that's great advice I've caught
2: myself in public, like if you see a family with a baby and you want to, and they have another child, you know, and even if they're all great looking kids, you see the little baby and you're like, oh, the baby, or oh, what a cute baby. And I always remind myself to say, oh, they're so cute. Or oh, what a cute baby. And oh, what a handsome, you know, what an adorable yeah. brother.
0: Yeah, I love that.
3: And, and also just remember that this is a good thing, you know, uh, no matter how they're feeling and that they're going to be developing new emotions that they maybe they didn't know that they had. This is all great for their maturity. And these are all tools that they could really use when they get to school or when they start being on the playground and somebody does something like that gets them a lot of attention. I think it's really good that they're going to learn to to sort of pass the baton when it comes to not being the center of attention all the time. And um, that's actually something I'm worried about with my baby being uh, by himself right now, especially during COVID. We just are giving him so much attention. And, and I know he's only two months old, but I'm, I'm starting to think like, do we need to start putting this kid in a room by himself?
0: <laughs>
2: no. Well, no. We just
3: let him no. do his thing?
0: No, because one but day he'll want to be in a room by himself.
3: <laughs> but that's why we really want another baby so that we can like figure <laughs> out the emotions of not being the center of attention all the time. I don't want a narcissist. He's already a Gemini. It's a am <gasps> a
0: Gemini I, we need another too. One.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry
0: okay it's okay no 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 offense taken at all
3: I'm oh,
0: a- <laughs> elizabeth you're a
2: rare gemini since as as he said gemini i was like yeah you might need to leave that baby by himself humble him
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'm thinking of adult gemini men though so that could be you know
3: he's gonna be an adult gemini man one day
0: one day, but right now he's just a baby.
3: Yeah.
0: I um I think that going from having one kid to having two was the hardest for this reason. Was like, how do I divide my attention? When we added the third, it was like, oh, well, nobody gets full attention. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever um but it is really hard because the the first child is so used to all your attention so know that this is like a growing pain and i mean our middle child went through far less of this because even as a baby we were like setting him down on the floor to deal with whatever henry was doing right because henry could get into so much more trouble um at two three right when the when oliver was just a baby so i i I like the idea that this is all part of the process, and it's going to be fine. Um, it's hard, though, when you are when you have no sleep, <laughs> I feel for you. It's just so hard. Well, thank you so much for writing in, and we hope that helped. Good luck. We're so excited for your family. If you want us to take a crack at your parenting question, you can email us at com. We're going to take a quick break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All
1: the... Must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters. and what do I even say other than "Hey
0: <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've
2: changed, so you don't have to. Download the new bumble now
0: all right, now on to our second listener question. Take it away, Shasha.
1: Hi, Mom and Dad. When can one reasonably expect to see the fruit of the daily, chew with your mouth shut, and sit at the table at least until you're finished? Sometimes I feel like a broken record, but my six-year-old is a loud chewer and sloppy eater, and it's driving me nuts. I realize that might be a non-problem, but sometimes it feels the alternatives are that dinner is unpleasant for one of us. Either he gets scolded every two minutes for chewing loudly and having elbows on the table, or feet on the chair, or slumping to the point that he's almost lying under the table, or I get to hear him chew loudly and watch him do gymnastics in his chair. Do you have any advice for me? Am I the problem? And that's normal six-year-old behavior? Should I just chill out? Am I wrong in assuming that table manners are and will be something that matters? I'm aware that in the greater scheme of things, this is a minor issue, but... I'd really appreciate some outside perspective.
0: You guys, this sounds so much like Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jeff, Jeff, did you write this? <laughs>
3: oh, it's hilarious. You know, um, my my dad, my nephew's grandfather, is obsessed with making sure that all of the people in his family eat with their right hands. And it's based on uh, this like part of the prophet's life in Islam where he only ate with his right hand and you're supposed to want to be like him. So you have to eat with your right hand. But one of his, uh, his grandkids is left-handed. And so he keeps habitually eating with his left hand because that's his dominant hand. Yeah. So his method was a bad one. He was just like, every time he put the fork into the left hand, he would just like scream across the table, Adam, eat with your right hand. And he would like get shocked and, and switch hands real quick uh it worked but i think there's there's got to be an easier way to do this and and i don't know maybe passive aggressiveness would work here where every time he he's chewing loudly just be like all right well we're just going to get up from the table and eat somewhere else because we don't want to bear with this i don't know that that seems to work out for me in my my adult life would that work for a six-year-old
2: you know your six-year-old is being very on brand for six this is kind of what they do this is the time like this is this is kind of like asking, am, am I going to have to teach my little one how to tie their shoes or at some point, are they just going to figure this out? It's like, no, this is the time period in which meals suck. Going to restaurants is embarrassing, um, <laughs> but you just have to continue to remind them. Like there's some things that you won't have to say a lot of times. I don't know what they are, um, but when it comes to table manners, be prepared to be an uh, an endless I don't know, something that repeats itself. A parent, you know, this is like high touch parenting is eating at the table. So all you can do is talk about why it's bothersome. You know, sometimes we just tell our kids don't do this or do it this way because like, so they should understand that, you know, If you don't pay care, if you're not careful with your utensils, that you could get a lot of crumbs on the floor and crumbs can lead to bugs or just a sticky, dirty floor. If you have a pet, they could be eating or just all these reasons that you wouldn't want to have food and shit all over. You know, like it seems like you shouldn't have to explain this to somebody that just the idea of like food being everywhere (laughs) on its own just kind of seems unpleasant. But that's how kids eat. So it's like this is not unpleasant at all crumbs everywhere you know um but to make sure that you're not just saying do it this way but that you're like every step of the way emphasizing why and like maybe there can be some goals and not just affirmation but like some incentives so like if you can you know if we can have a low mess dinner or you know where you attempt to use your fork and your spoon for everything then we can go to your favorite restaurant next week you know or like we're practicing this at home. You know, we're working our way up to going out and doing this in front of other people.
0: I think that's really great advice, the explaining why and the uh just reminding. I think, again, this is just like part... Of parenting. I will say that, so for Oliver, um, his inability to sit up at the table was one of the first, like, things we noticed and eventually got evaluated to find out that he has some core strength issues. So I'm definitely not saying, I think this is, like, very... (laughs) normal behavior i see lots of our friends doing this but if you're noticing like he can't really ever sit up and it seems kind of like tired i mean that oliver will just like lean on everything because he can't really hold his body up and so he's in some uh physical therapy to work on that but i do think like the best thing to do is to come up with a way to remind you're going to have to just nag them but if you can come up in a way that doesn't make mealtime feel awful? Because I, I mean, that's what I'm kind of worried about from the letter is like th- is mealtime is becoming something that no one wants to be at. And I worry about that both for like if this is your family time together and also like just healthy eating habits and having a healthy environment around food. Can you come up with either just like a code word or just like a simple reminder, even if you're saying it a lot, something that you just sort of say and and move on so that they're making that correction With the messiness, they have to help clean up. At six, they're old enough to help clean up. That's the thing that has made the biggest difference with Oliver is that when everyone else clears the table, he still has to sweep underneath his area. And that, I think, is what finally got through to him was, like, he's losing 10 minutes of after-dinner time to having to clean up his mess, whereas if he just, like, leaned forward <laughs> over the plate, you know, it wouldn't—then he doesn't have to do that. Because a little crumbs, it's okay, like, I'll get it, but when you're making such a big mess. So I think if you can incorporate them um, into that. The other thing I was thinking with, like, the chewing with your mouth open is, like, maybe giving them a mirror to let them see what it looks like when they're chewing with their <laughs> mouth open. That I. I (laughs) I'm a little worried that that could make it worse. But I I think, like, explaining... Jamila, you mentioned, like, explaining why they need to do this, and I think that's important... Do you guys think that she she kind of at the letter writer kind of asks, like are table manners important? Do you guys think table manners are important?
3: Yes, a hundred percent, oh my god,
0: yeah no it,
2: it it's a, it's important. I mean, I think people are not as hung up on etiquette, you know dining etiquette as they once were, you know, like so if you take your kid out to dinner and they put their elbow on the table, you know people are not gonna look at you like you're A bad mom, but they do expect that your kid is going to at least try to keep their mouth closed and not, like, (laughs) you spray everybody with french fry bits when they talk.
0: (laughs) I agree that I think, like, table manners are one of those things that can make such a good first impression that teaching them, I mean no six-year-olds making a good first impression, but like that if you teach them now, then when they're in their teens, right, like that's when you start to worry about it. Like when they're having dinner at friends' houses and things like this, are they, yeah, like gross (laughs) versus like, okay, this is someone that really can kind of take care of themselves and others. So I do think it's important, but I also think like understand that they're six or understand that they're four, you know, and how long... A four year old or a six year old can sit at the table is very different than how long a nine year old, um, you know, or even an adult can sit at the table. so i I think coming up with some consistent rules about that, making sure the kids kind of know the rules and the expectations and then little ways to remind them. I can um, remember my mom telling me four on the floor at the table, like about because I was notorious for leaning back on my chair so that there were just two of the legs. And I think like for years, dinner was like four on the floor. Oh, okay, you know, like in two minutes later, four on the floor. Oh, okay, (laughs) because it becomes such a habit. Like some of this is just that it becomes a habit. And so the only way to correct a habit, if you wanted to correct something yourself, you know, you have to like constantly remind yourself that you're doing it. So I think try to come up with a, a fun way. Where you're not, where you're not, uh, ruining your whole meal time, but you're also making that correction. Yeah,
3: but but I really want to echo Elizabeth's point. It's like don't be too hard on yourself, you know. Uh, a six-year-old is a six-year-old, and they're just gonna do a six-year-old's too. And in a lot of cases, telling them to do something is gonna encourage them to do the opposite because they they want their freedom and they want their independence. So it's just a matter of maybe, uh, you know, getting them to understand that it's just not cute, and, and that it's not fun. And uh, it's nobody really enjoys that. Maybe that's the a clear cut way of getting to his head.
2: That's a great, yeah. Obnoxious is a difficult concept for kids to understand, but it's an important one to start trying to introduce, that like, this isn't just wrong because someone says it's wrong, like the people will be bothered by you doing this. Like, this is gross. <laughs>
3: I like the mirror idea. Yeah. Oh, that (laughs) might backfire. That might backfire. We
0: want to know. If you tried the mirror idea, we want to know. Did it work or (laughs) did it
3: backfire?
0: Right. Or was he excited (laughs) by it? Maybe I'll try it with Oliver and report back. (laughs) Well, as usual, there's the advice we have for you. If you have an update at some point, if you tried any of these or you tried something out, please let us know. We always love getting updates. To the rest of our listeners out there, are you looking for some excellent parenting advice? Well, that's what we try to do here. So please email us at momanddadatslate.com or post it to the Facebook group. Now it's time for this segment of the show where we give recommendations. Jamila. What
2: do you have for us? I am recommending a documentary uh, by a friend of mine, Chantrelle Lewis, that's streaming on Netflix right now called In Our Mother's Gardens. It was released earlier this year, right around Mother's Day. And it's about Black women and their relationship to their mothers. And it's just a really beautiful look at, she talks to about, I say, 10 or 12, maybe about 10 women about their matrilineal histories and um some of them trace their families back to south africa and cuba and some of the women um have families that were primarily from the southern united states and it's just a really beautiful look at these deeply complicated deeply powerful relationships um between women and their mothers and black women and their mothers in particular it's really nice so it's streaming now on netflix uh and it's called in our mother's gardens is it like Watch it with your kid or, like, watch it? Your kids might be a little bit like, this is boring, but Naima was into it. Um, (laughs) But I think
0: that also it was a mother-daughter thing. You know what I mean? Like a girl
2: thing. Um, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So I should watch it alone. But listeners with daughters, gather your children around. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Listeners with
0: daughters. Yeah. It does feel like a daughter uh, moment. That sounds really, really nice. All right. Amen, what do you have for us?
3: So I want to recommend for every new father out there, uh, the subreddit called Dadit, D-A-D-D-I-T. It's amazing. Uh, it's for single dads, new dads, step dads, tall dads, short dads, anybody. Uh, it's, it's been really amazing for me as a resource to just go and read about what other dads are going through, especially in quarantine, it could feel very isolating. And I'm the, the first person in my friend group to get, have a kid. So it's, it's really hard for me to find other new dads to talk to. And, and I do have siblings, Other uh, my brothers have kids, but it's just not the same because they just have so much advice. And it just can make me feel like I'm doing so much wrong. Uh, but I found this particular subreddit to be really helpful in the sense where there's a lot of re- positive reinforcement. Um, I've been posting under a fake name because I'm scared, but there's a lot of really positive reinforcement and people saying, it's okay, I've done this, I've done that. I was really worried, for example, about um, Musa's n- not drinking as much milk very when at the very, very beginning of his life. You know, I had read all these books on how much they should be drinking and how often and when, and it just, he wasn't meeting those, that, those metrics. And so I I went on to see like what other dads were experiencing. And it's something that I think every, to every dad in this subreddit experienced, where they did the research, they tried to be prepared. They wanted to be a good dad, but then it just didn't match their lived experience. So yeah, I, I recommend that forum or any forum like it really. It's really helpful.
0: That's so nice. I feel like we talk a lot about like communities for moms, but not necessarily like the support communities for dads. And especially during COVID when we're like more at home and just like, even just like the world has shrunk. I, I think that's a great recommendation yeah. just to not feel alone. Like so much of parenting is, is like trying to not feel alone.
3: Yeah. There's certain things that only other dads can tell you because it's stuff that might be too dumb for moms, you know? Uh, but I think a dad community is valuable.
0: I lo- I think that's so great. I am um, recommending a graphic novel that Henry picked out at school and loved it. It's called American Born Chinese by Gene Yang. And he brought it home and I picked it up because it had all those like, you know, this has won all these awards <laughs> on the front um, of it. And so I was like, hi, oh, I wonder what this is. But it turns out it is this like, very funny and entertaining um, read. The illustrations are just like, so beautiful and it handles issues of like identity stereotyping bullying racism it was this amazing jumping off point for a discussion about something that like we've talked about racism but we hadn't necessarily talked about racism with um chinese or with like asian cultures and and i was amazed that when he i was asking him about it and um Not only is it like a great story, but it's kind of like three different stories. And in the end, they come together into one big story. But one of the stories they the author has like flipped the stereotype of monkeys to be this like mythological monkey hero. And Henry said to me, are they using a monkey because people used to call, you know, Chinese people monkeys? And I was like, Yes. Like, let's talk about this. Like, why? Wh- you know, because that is what the book like sort of tries to talk about and turn on their head. Um, and of course, the, the author is writing some of this from personal experience and things that have happened in his live experience. But it was this really great kind of using uh, like humor to talk about these racist things that happened and one watching the author kind of turn it on its head, but also creating this jumping off point to talk about talk about that. So I don't know. I thought it was like a wonderful book that he picked up on his own um, and and really good discussion in the car, unlike my maps discussion. <laughs> it was a wonderful discussion on his way back to school um, to return the book. So I thought that was great. Well, that is it for our show. One last time, if you have a question for us, email us at com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Daughter Fighting were produced this week by Jasmine Ellis and Asha Saluja. For Eamon Ismail and Jamila Lemieux, and of course, our special guest, Baby Musa, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.